You're listening to Understanding Disordered Eating with Rachel Heinemann. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and certified eating disorder specialist. On this weekly podcast, we talk about all things psychoanalysis and eating disorder recovery. It's a combination of interviews with experts in psychoanalysis and eating disorders and some solo episodes where it will just be the two of us. The goal of the podcast is to help you try to understand a little bit more about yourself, gain a deeper understanding for why you do the things you do, and bring you one step closer to a healthier relationship with food and yourself. All right, episode 110, here we go. Now, for those of you who are looking for a little bit more in terms of trying to understand the deeper meaning of your relationship with food, and you're into journaling, or you want to be into journaling, or you just know that there could be value in journaling, head on over to the show notes or to my website and grab this freebie of journal prompts that walks you through plenty of different journal prompts and instructions along with it about how to begin or continue to better understand your relationship with food, history, et cetera. Today's conversation is really, really, really important because I think that the more traditional eating disorder treatment, which I'm glad has become more traditional eating disorder treatment, really revolves around ideas of body neutrality and all foods fit and body positivity, fat positivity, all that stuff that is so, so important when we think about eating disorder treatment, because back in the day, when we thought about eating disorder treatment, a lot of it was, you know, trying to keep somebody as thin as possible so that we don't you know, stress them out too much because they're gaining weight. And, you know, the sort of the reassurance of, oh no, you won't gain that much weight or being able to stay within a certain body type, even if you're not heavily restricting or having this chaotic binge purge relationship with food, as long as you're not too high in weight, which was, you know, not that helpful when you think about the root of a lot of this is, is, the body image piece or not the root, but a lot of this is interconnected with poor body image. And that just sort of says, oh, you don't have to deal with that. Just stay in a smaller body if you can, which hmm, please, that's not really controllable. So I think that it's really, really amazing. The field has gotten to this place where we're like, yes, you can pursue health wherever you're at. You can get healthcare. We're incorporating size inclusion and all these things, which is really, really important. And also when we've veered toward this direction, we've sort of excluded people who are not ready for it. And I think that when we've done that, we've actually excluded that, them completely from eating disorder treatment or at least enough, push them away enough. Because when somebody comes in originally to eating disorder treatment, sometimes it is a breath of fresh air to hear this body positivity and all foods fit and fat is not a bad word and all this stuff is like go go hurrah whatever that term is so so motivating for some people and for some people it is terrifying and what do they do when they're terrified they bolt they don't even start or when they start they're like this is not for me i'm out and i think when we're talking about inclusion we actually have to be inclusive and not really in what this sort of like modern use of the word inclusion, like, oh, everybody, everybody, everybody. But in terms of let's listen to the person who's on the phone, let's listen to the person who's in front of us and what are they asking for? What do they need? What do you need? And then work with that. So let's start with body positivity. 
body positivity is incredible. If you can look in the mirror and be really loving your body and appreciative of your body, all that is really incredible. I think a lot of this ends up boiling down to semantics. But when people hear body positivity, they are like, that is A, not realistic. B, I don't even want to get there. C, like, yeah, no thanks. So that's actually just two things, but whatever. So if you think about the idea of body positivity, perhaps somebody doesn't know anything about body positivity and then just throws the baby out with the bathwater when, in fact, we can come at it from a different angle. Maybe one of the goals of eating disorder treatment is not body positivity for a lot of people. Maybe it is body acceptance, like not even body neutrality, like, oh, okay, whatever, I'm fine with it but body acceptance. Like it is what it is. I absolutely hate it, but it is what it is. And I really don't want to go back to any restrictive or chaotic chaotic way of eating and obsession. So it is what it is. Like, I guess, tough luck for me, which might not sound very glamorous, but I think for a lot of people, when they hear anything like, I'm going to be okay with my body, I'm actually... I might love my body. They're like, that is complete BS. That's never going to happen. And I don't even want to bother because I don't know what you're smoking, you guys. So, and again, like just to reiterate, I do think that some of this is semantics because within the body positivity movement, I think that a lot of people will say exactly this. Like not everyone's going to love their body. That's not really the point. Some people are saying it's not even the point to love your body because then that becomes the emphasis. Again, well, some people, (laughs) that's me. I'm saying maybe that's not the point because once we focus on the body, then we've already missed the point. So maybe the idea is body neutrality. And that is that we don't focus on your body. It just, it is what it is. And who cares? And uh, my body does what it does and it's great and it's not great and whatever. It's just not the focus. But we have to think about what's attainable for each person. And I think more importantly, we have to think about which language is going to resonate with which person. And I think this is really difficult on something like social media, where you sort of put like one piece of information out and you use whatever language you resonate with or you choose to use. And then you might be alienating other people, which there's nothing really to do about that at social media. You can't really use like a million different pieces of language to apply to everybody, resonate with everybody. And so that whatever limitation of social media. But I do think that when we are talking to people face-to-face, whether it's our friends, our clinicians, the people we're working with, our family, we do have the opportunity to talk a lot in nuance. And the nuance is body neutrality, if that's something that you resonate with, great body acceptance, if that's what you resonate with. And if you like body positivity, then fine. But for somebody who's really alienated by the words body positivity, then I don't really think we should use them at all. And part of what I love about the kind of work that I do is that there's no set of language that has to happen for every person. There's not like I'm married to this is the way that I'm thinking. This is the movement. This is the kind of semantics that works that I just believe in. It's okay, who is this person sitting in front of me? And how can we get them to a little bit of a better place than they are right now? Maybe that's more harm reduction than not. I don't know if that's necessarily exactly what I would call it. But I think it's more looking at the person in the eyes and asking them, whether it's explicitly or not, what do you need? And how can we get you to a place that's just one step ahead of where you're at? And if this person is saying, the only thing that I feasibly think will be the case for me is that I can maybe accept my body 
in a way that like, I really hate it, but I, I'm just going to accept that I'm not going to change it. That's the only thing that they can see happening. Then that's the only thing that we say, like, I'm not going to shove body positivity down their throat. I'm not even going to say like, you're not going to care because it's just completely ridiculous to this person. So really looking at the person and, and thinking about what this person in particular needs. And again, even if it's just as simple as changing the language. Now, the other thing that's sort of become foundational within eating disorder treatment, again, which is absolutely great, is that all foods fit. And I think that that's part of the intuitive eating movement. So a lot of people who don't have active eating disorders, but are just sort of like wanting to get off the diet culture bandwagon. It's really important to think about all foods uh, fit in terms of foods don't have morality. So like, you're not a bad person for having the sweets. You're not actually a good person for having a salad for lunch. Sorry. It just doesn't really reflect on who you are as a person. And I say good, bad, reflective of the emotional experience that we have, which is often very guilty or proud when we eat a certain way or we don't eat a certain way. And I think ultimately that's where all foods fit come from. Now, when we say all foods fit, it's been translated into all foods are equal, which equal in terms of morality Yes, I think that's sort of a catchphrase that has come up within the eating disorder world. And again, it comes from a really incredible place. And I think that that's a really important thing to incorporate. But then when people hear it, all foods are equal. They're like, "Um, seriously, I have no idea what sort of science you're into or not, but that's not actually true, scientifically, nutritionally. And we all know that people who have eating disorders have the most vast nutritional science background than anybody on this planet maybe comparable to to dietitians. I mean, dietitians actually literally went to school for six years for this, but eating disorder patients, you know, spend decades of their life researching maybe from Google. So we don't know how accurate it is, but let's be fair. People who are coming in, who are struggling with their relationship with food more often than not have a very vast background in nutrition science. Again, whether or not it's accurate is, is a little irrelevant. But we can all safely say that all foods are not equal. So when someone comes in and they say, I actually don't believe you. I don't believe anything that you say because you're telling me that I can eat the same, the cake and the salad in the same way, but it's not the same thing. And sometimes they express feeling like actually crazy. Like, what are you saying? I know I'm not crazy, but like, uh, I really don't know where you're getting your information. And I think this is another example where we push people away just by our language or being really committed to a very specific set of ideology that is part of eating disorder treatment. This is where a lot of flexibility comes into play. So I think that the idea that all foods are equal is only true in terms of morality. Like, you know, if you want to have a sweet or a dessert or you want to have like whatever quinoa salad situation that morally you are still the same person. And the person who had that thing versus the other thing are morally equivalent or definitely not the opposite of morally equivalent, whatever that would be, if they ate different things. So all foods are equal just in that sense. But in terms of nutrition science, they are not equal. All foods can fit in one's diet. And I mean diet in terms of food intake, not a restrictive diet. All foods can fit if you do it in a way that is healthy for you. Now, don't scrutinize my word healthy or maybe do scrutinize my word healthy. 
What I mean by that is if somebody is actively struggling with an eating disorder on any side of the spectrum, restrictive or chaotic relationship with food, so binging, purging, whatever it is, that a healthy approach to all foods fit is certainly not inserting all foods at the beginning. The beginning of somebody's healing somebody's relationship with food is all about structure, incorporating multiple times per day of eating, multiple snacks and meals, incorporating enough nutrition into a person's body so that this person's body gets enough adequate nutrition. And then of course, part of that on top of that, meaning next, is to challenge a person's fear foods or foods that they have binged on in the past. But you know, people who have complicated relationships with specific foods is really important to challenge that after. But I think when somebody comes in and says all foods fit and they have this chaotic relationship with food, they've been yo-yo dieting their entire life. And we say, yeah, everything can fit. And then they go for the bag of Doritos and they finish the party bag. And then they go for the ice cream and they finish the ice cream. And then they go for the pizza and they finish the pizza. And they're like, well, guys, actually that didn't work. And you're right. It didn't work because all foods fit. No, but not right now. And not in a way that you know how to incorporate in a way that feels healthy and safe for you. So I think that there is a myth that intuitive eating is just sort of like applied at the beginning and all foods fit. This is so rainbows and butterflies, but it's certainly not in the beginning, which where it's a lot more structured, where you're teaching yourself how to eat again. You are re-nourishing your body. Even if you struggle with binge eating disorders, same thing, you're re-nourishing your body and relearning how to eat and relearning eventually, eventually, eventually your hunger fullness cues, definitely not at the beginning. And then once you have this much more stable relationship with food, we can think about how all foods can fit into your food intake. Now, it's never to say that the sweets is the same thing as the vegetable because nutritionally they are not the same, but morally they are. So I think this is also about semantics and then people on social media love to you know grab onto this because they're like, that. It, that's so like scientifically, factually untrue. But again, I think this is about semantics. I think it's important to highlight because the semantics actually drive people away. So when you're starting on your journey of eating disorder recovery, the beginning will not look like incorporating all this food. The beginning is going to look like a lot more structured. And then eventually when we incorporate all foods and you slowly chip away at all your fear foods and maybe you work to a place where you're not afraid of any food, what typically happens is that your food doesn't look that different from how it did when you were, quote, controlling it. I mean, actually, I'll take that back. So a lot of people come in with orthorexia, but not like a serious orthorexia and that they're not eating enough. They're actually might be eating enough, but they have fear foods. Because somebody's food intake doesn't end up looking that much different than somebody who might be super controlling of their food intake. You know, of course, like eating, uh, you know, let's say five or six times a day. But somebody who is really controlling their food because they're afraid might actually look very similar to someone who has a healthy relationship with food and food freedom because all foods fit doesn't mean that you have the sweets like 24 seven, just doesn't happen that way. That goes back to intuitive eating, whatever, not for right now. But I do think that the goals of all foods fit is not to say, well, now you have to have this all the time. You probably don't want it all the time. 
But again, this is an example of where somebody who says, well, I'm actually not going to be having this kind of food every single day or multiple times a day. And we push them away by saying all foods fit. And we're like, hold on a second, come back. What do you think I meant by all foods fit? What are you afraid of that I'm going to say? And of course, like working with their personal fears, but also clarifying what does it mean by all foods fit, all foods are equal. Like, no, we're not anti-nutrition science here. So come back and come play. So I know for some of you, it's going to feel like I'm talking directly to you. I really, really hope that because I've, I've heard this from a lot of people. So it, it has to be, I am talking directly to you. For those of you who feel like I'm talking to your friend and maybe your friend should hear this and <laughs> you can send it over to your friend. I would really appreciate that actually. But I do think that these two ideas are really important for us to keep in mind in our own way of using language that we might be, okay, uh, this is the way that I think eating disorder recovery is. This is the word I use. This is eating disorder recovery. We're in recovery, being recovered, uh, working toward recovery. I mean, like it's all semantics. So I would encourage you to think about it besides for body positivity and all foods are equal, those two terms that we've talked about today. Think about the way that you utilize any language specifically within the eating disorder recovery world and how it might be alienating to somebody who might be sitting right in front of you. I'm not talking about like, let's take into account literally every single person that ever walked this earth and how you might be impacting them with your words because that's completely impossible. Please don't think that way. What I'm saying is if you are talking to someone, your family member, your own self, to be honest, or your clinician or your client, whoever you might be, to think about how your specific ideas about how recovery might go might actually not be the same for the person sitting in front of you. And that is not, it's not up to you to convince them. It's for you to have a conversation to make sure that you understand and where you can get this person a little bit further ahead of where they're at. So be mindful of your language and your semantics. You made it to the end. Thank you for listening. Every single one of your downloads means so much to me. If this conversation is leaving you wanting more, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You'll have the opportunity to reply back directly to me over there. Can't wait to see you in your inbox.